unintended teen pregnancy brings unwelcome consequences. We all agree to that, but how do we go about addressing it? Terry Greenberg founded an organization to help all of us make better choices, give better information, and address this challenge among us. She'll be on Good God. Stay tuned. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm George Mason, your host, and I'm delighted to welcome to the program today, Terry Greenberg. Terry, we're glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Terry is the CEO, founder, uh, and overall um, imaginative creator of the uh, the organization called mm -hmm. Interrupt, and it's a it's a big acronym. So right. I'm going to try it. Okay, see if okay. I can get this. This is the North Texas Alliance for to reduce, to reduce unintended pregnancy in teens. Yes, perfect. Hey, how about that? Wasn't that, that easy? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Terry, this is exciting. Uh, that uh, it's a five year old organization. Yes. And it's your brainchild. Yes. How did it come about? Well, so um, I had been doing some work um, on a volunteer basis. I'm a lawyer by training and career, but uh, on a volunteer basis with the National Council of Jewish Women uh -huh. to advocate for comprehensive sex education. And yes. I had led um, an effort there to, ad to, to do that advocacy work. And then it was a lot of work. And yes. I, I, this is a, a story of really the only thing in my life I really feel like I've been called to do. So. I was, after a couple years, no one would take it from me because it was just, it's not an easy subject and it's hard to gather right. people. And I was like, I'm gonna have to drop this. It's just taking too much time. It's hard to drive this bus. And so I dropped it. And then about a month later, the Texas Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy said, called me and said, we'd like you to organize something in Dallas for us. Will you do that for us? And I mm. was like, okay. So yes. I did that and we had this big luncheon with uh, a lot of people, decision makers in Dallas um, mm. at the Communities Foundation. And then after that, we had a second, I organized a second day of training for all these youth serving nonprofits that right. I had been, that I already knew because I had led this coalition. Mm -hmm. And during that training, at the training, they're like, you know, we, this is a big issue that affects all of us. So it affects domestic violence. It affects, you know, uh, substance abuse. It's, it, it crosses mm -hmm. over all those things. And wow. so all those organizations were like, you know, we really need to form a coalition. And I was like, well, I've been there, done that. And then someone was like, yeah, Terry, you really need to leave this. And I, so yes. I felt like I was tapped on the shoulder twice, like, keep with this. This is what you're supposed to be doing. So. Okay, so let's, Parsing through some of the language mm -hmm. you've just used, uh, calling, tapped on the shoulder, you know, tried to get away from it, but it just kept, <laughs> yes. all of that sounds very spiritual. There's, there's something about how, uh, who you are and what you do have come together in this, right? That you, right. you have a sense that, uh, uh, as our mutual friend, Rabbi Nancy Kasten puts it, uh, that this is um, what God placed you on earth to do somehow. How do you put those things together, your own sense of faith and this work that you do? Well, I, you know, I was raised at Temple Emmanuel yes. and growing up, you know, at that time, the biggest, uh, the biggest link to spirituality was through Tikkun Olam, which was is repair of the world. So that yes. was sort of what we were all called right. to do in one way or another. Right. Later, you know, the spirituality 
itself in relationship with God has become a bigger influence mm -hmm. um, and emphasis in the synagogue. But back then, you know, when I was in there, right. it was, that was what it was. You're here to repair the world. This is your life and yes. make the world better because you were in it. So. It's, it's, it's so interesting that you say that. So there's a sense in which in the Christian community, I think it has tended to go the other direction. So you just described, and Nancy and I have had this conversation, mm -hmm. it happened for her in the s same way where the first thing you learned about your faith was your responsibility to repair the world. There, there was a, a yes. sense of if there's to be the world God wants and desires for us all, we have to take up that responsibility, we have to do that work, uh, we have to you know, answer that call. And, uh, and, and then afterward you start to realize that there's a kind of vertical dimension to this. There's kind of a, a, yes. a spiritual sense of it. So social justice first, spiritual dimension follows. Mm -hmm. For most Christians, the spiritual dimension is the first thing that happens, the relationship with God. And then uh, in our religious communities, it's, it's the hard work of trying to get people to realize it's not just about that, it's also about the horizontal about the world we live in and the and, and the work we do. So right. uh, it it as long as we both get to the same place eventually <laughs> right. with both of these things, it seems like that's uh, the the goal, right? Right. We can all link arms doing this work. So that's that's terrific. Yeah. All right. So uh, speaking of the work itself, then um, it it seems like uh, unintended teen pregnancy is one of those fulcrum points uh, of, uh, of, of the, a predictor of success or failure in life almost. Not completely, but it, it does have a real high correlation, as you said, to other social um, either uh, problems through unintended pregnancies, uh, challenges that will persist generationally, or uh, if it's avoided, uh, give people a, a greater on-ramp to opportunity and success. Uh, is that the way you view the importance of this or is it something else? Correct. So like our, actually our tagline uh, interrupt is opportunity uninterrupted. Uh -huh. So yeah. yes, it is about the on-ramp to success. There's lots of research saying that, you know, the best way to be, be attain middle class by mi middle age is to wait to have a baby till you're 20, you right. know, to get married first. And then a lot of other things, graduate high school, you know, right. get a career. So it's, it's, it's you know, maybe two of, of the 12 factors to attaining middle class by middle age. And in Dallas in particular, of course, you know, we have the third highest child poverty rate. It, yes. It's not an accident that teen pregnancy happens in these same neighborhoods. And so it's, you know, in, in those neighborhoods that are affected by all these same really bad issues, Teen pregnancy may not even be the biggest issue, right? So this, it's, a, there's, it's part of that entire conversation about achieving equity for all the parts of our city. So it's, it's right. a, it's, there's, a, there's a context where we're very targeted about our actions, but it's also a, a bigger, bigger piece of right. it. Right, so, so poverty is an enormous amount of this, uh, and yet it's, it's hard to go after just a strategy to reduce poverty, but if you, if you go after one, piece of this that has so many other consequences to it, then the poverty issue uh, follows, right? We are, we are hoping so, right? right. Well, we we'll know have to see how that data works, right? <laughs> we, uh, we, we really believe that kids need 
the best information yes. to make the best choices for themselves yes. so that they can be prosperous. So what are the significant top causes for unintended pregnancy in your in your mind in well, from so what you researched information uh, yeah so information so that's what you know so we just launched in february a huge public awareness campaign called talk about it dallas so we have this website that gives lots of information uh, about sexual health but also information about how to have these difficult conversations with all different people in your life yes so um so yes it's information and traditionally kids have not gotten just basic health information about their bodies Mm -hmm. their reproductive health in school, right? right? So they, in Texas in particular, you know, in some other states they do, but so mm -hmm. it's information. Um, it's it's conversations with parents. So the we know, you know, every ecosystem supports the child, right? So yes. we have the kids, we have the parents, and the parents have to be able to have those difficult conversations. We teach right. courses that yes. help parents have those conversations, right? right? Good. We know that kids, when ki we, kids are asked, like, you know, they say overwhelmingly that they want to hear this stuff from their parents. Now, it's super awkward, right? No right. parent enjoys talking about it. <laughs> and I don't want to say that I was any different. You know, I right. did it because I know how important it is. But, um, right. yeah, so there's those parental conversations. There's access to health care, right? Yes. So all kids don't have access. And I, I guess I'm going to sort of highlight this with a story. Um, in 2015, when I started this organization, I was asked to be a, a panelist um, for a, um, a gathering at the African American Museum called Being a Teen in 2015, right? So it was mm -hmm. me and all these teenagers on mm -hmm. a panel mm -hmm. that was led by a 20-year-old wo young woman. Mm -hmm. And she asked the panel, you know, do you know the teen pregnancy is worse in your neighborhood, mm -hmm. you know, than anywhere else? So like, you know, we were near the state fair, their teen birth rate is five times the national teen wow. birth rate. So, uh, and one of the girls said, you know, I, I, I bet it is. Uh, you know, she said, is it worse than you think than in Addison? And, and so the girl said, yeah, I think so. And then the, um, the moderator said, well, why do you think that is, right? So this young lady raised her hand. She goes, I know why. It's three things. I'm like, okay, I'm all ears. <laughs> I'm glad you figured it out. The first thing she said is um, their parents talk to them about this stuff. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I don't really think that's true, right? Yeah. But it shows that they're wanting that, they're needing yes. that, right? So right. she said, two, their parents take them to the doctor, right? So in wow. parts of the city, kids don't have a regular checkup every year. They don't know a doctor that asks them about all kind of things, right, yes. that are important to adolescents. And then the third thing she said is people care about those kids. Wow. And uh, that was that was the equity thing. That was this other divide. So that was, uh, and I'm, I was like, oh, we care about you. Mm. So um, yes, the, in a nutshell, those are all. She was not wrong, right? Right. So um, and so those are the reasons. So you're working on various fronts. Then you're trying. You're, you're not just working on school education, you're working on family education, and, and, and helping to provide resources for all right. of these different different groups. Uh, how do you get to them? Well, it's, uh, it's hard, I have to tell you. So we have, um, I have an amazing uh, director of external affairs. She yes. was the first person I hired. And um, <clears throat> we have a big federal grant to deliver okay. education. And so she, 
really through her efforts and our educators and the, and, and the rest of our staff too, you know, as, as they've come in and along. So we're reaching out in the community. So we deliver our education to, you know, over the years, over 50, through over 50 nonprofits, right? So like Trinity River Mission and all sorts of places. Right. So we do a lot of community mobilization. I, you know, you know, we have a big faith outreach. Um, we're, we try to be everywhere. Yes. So we, we, um, we just have just really been part of affecting a huge change in Dallas Independent School District, which happened at the end of February, where they finally, the school board voted to include comprehensive sex education. Yay. So, um, so yeah, so we're, try, we're out there trying to be everywhere, which okay. is not that easy, but, but we, um, we really want to listen to the community. Okay, so comprehensive sex education in the public school in Dallas is a big first step. It's huge. It's huge because that word comprehensive should be set in a contrast to um, abstinence only Correct. education. Correct. Right, which has been uh, something that in Texas has been kind of a uh, an ongoing debate, but pretty much a default assumption that that's what we need in the schools, right? Correct. It's not a requirement, right? But um, you know, we accepted Texas accepted more abstinence-only education money from the federal government during the Bush years than any other state, okay. and that's what kids have been receiving if they receive anything. So, um, if if that's been going on for a long time, is there I guess we, we really don't know what a difference comprehensive sex education is going to make yet. We'll have to wait and see versus abstinence-only education. Well, we could wait and see, or we could look at other states where they've been doing it. I so. see. Okay, there you go. All right. right. So, um, you yes. know. You mean Texas isn't unique? Yes, I right. mean, aren't we different from everyone else, <laughs> Yeah, well, we are. Yes. We are special. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, there are, there are states where they have adopted comprehensive sex education, mm -hmm. and those states have lower... I mean, they have lower teen birth rates. It's it's not a coincidence. So we the research really shows that the more kids know, the less they do, right? Wait, you mean um, ignorance is not <laughs> bliss? It is not bliss. Okay, it can be dangerous, yeah. in fact. Okay. Dangerous not only for unintended pregnancies, but also dangerous for lots of other consequences of sexually transmitted diseases. Right, and, and Dallas of that is, is um, pretty high in uh, STI rates, you know, really yes. high actually, okay. and new cases of HIV in young people too. Okay. So uh, we have a lot of, of learning to do. All right. So, so let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk a little more about the challenges of the faith community and the work that you do and how we can uh, grow in our um, partnerships as well. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you for continuing to tune in to Good God. These conversations are part of a larger program that is called Faith Commons, the umbrella organization, you might say, of Good God. Good God is the first project of Faith Commons, which is a nonprofit organization that is intended to do public theology, you might say. Uh, it's multi-faith, not just Christian, Jewish, Muslim, other faiths, but all of them becoming involved in the question of how do we promote the common good together. 
There are so many areas of need and concern in our community, and Faith Commons is trying to help bridge the gaps uh, between religions and peoples in our community so that we can have a more just and peaceful society. Thanks for continuing to support us. We're back with Good God and Terry Greenberg of Interrupt. And Terry, we were talking about the change at DISD, Dallas Independent School District, and now they're going to be instituting comprehensive sex education. Correct. Um, so in Texas, abstinence-only education has been something that I would say, if we were honest, the faith community and, let's be more specific, the Christian faith community, uh, conservative Christian community, has advocated for, for a long time. Uh, yes. And uh, the idea being that the, f the, the, the best way to prevent teen pregnancy is for kids not to engage in sexual relations. Well, that's, that is true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> so. Um, but if the only information they have is no, right, um, there is a kind of innate curiosity that we all have about our bodies and about uh, intimate relationships and how these things work, that if kids have to discover all of this on their own, they are likely to do so, uh, more likely to do so in a kind of experimentation and in their relationships than simply being told no. Uh, so is, I assume that's the premise of a more comprehensive That education. That is absolutely true. So the way I look at it is almost all of our kids have little devices in their pockets. Yes. <laughs> and they are in primetime TV in yes. their homes, and um, they are exposed to a huge amount of sexuality and yes. everything else f from society. And if we're not giving them real honest, factual information, we're doing them a huge disservice. Yeah. They need to be able to get, you know, what is accurate right. and true and be able to make those decisions for themselves. And so, yes, we could maybe alleviate some of the curiosity right. by just giving them real information. And they're not, kids are pretty savvy these days. So if you give them real information, I really trust them to make better decisions. Well, and, and there's also a developmental thing, isn't right. there, in terms of the brain's development and the frontal lobe and the whole idea of being able to think about consequences uh, that, that doesn't develop uh, right away when your body is developing and is ready for, um, you know, more and more ready for, because of hormonal development and those sorts of things ready for sexual relationships and so there's a kind of disconnect there isn't there between you know what you feel urges to do what society is telling you grown-ups do and you want to be a grown-up but then you can't foresee you don't have all the developed foresight about about the future and what will take place if these things happen right correct so we can we can give them the good information yes but what the kids do with those urges, that's a lot about what the parents say and the yes. values and the faith community. So that's where we all need to work together, like giving them that information right? Um, so that they have it when the time comes and they right. know that they're gonna make set goals and make decisions for themselves, that's great, but that's where all these layers come in. Right, so, so in our Christian tradition, there is now a kind of, um, 
debate going on, a revisiting of what had been known, you might say, as the purity culture. Um, and this is something I'm sure you're familiar with, um, where um, the more conservative Christian churches and communities would urge that kids stay pure until their marriage, uh, until they're married, take pledges to that effect, in fact, uh, have rings that, you know, right. purity rings and all these sorts of things. And I'm sure that much of the rationale for that is the very same thing we've been talking about, is that we want the best for our kids and we Correct. want them to, uh, uh, to, to have opportunity and hope and we want them to have good intimate relationships. Um, but that's being challenged from within the Christian community too, because it seems that those who participated in the purity culture have uh, increasingly come to talk about a damaged sense of self and their bodies and their um, their feelings about uh, uh, healthy sexual relationships. What have you observed or learned uh, about that in your research and dealing with people? Well, so there was actually a study that came out, I, I want to say in like 2012, mm -hmm. about uh, evangelical and more religious Christians having a higher unintended teen birth yes. rate um, mm -hmm. because they are told that even to think about their sexuality or to plan for it is a sin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So therefore they would rather just be caught in a moment than have seen I as see. planning for it, right? So right. that's why this information Ooh. is good. I mean, you can tell me more yes. about that. I think that you can speak more to that. Um, well, I think what, I, I'm going to tell you what it was like for me growing up uh, in, a, in an environment where, well, uh, it was before the language of the purity culture and, and, and all of that. But I think as, a, as a, a, an adolescent, I didn't have much of a way to judge my relationship to God other than by my sexual discipline or abstinence or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I, I, in a sense, um, I, I only sort of knew that maybe I, God and I were on good terms if I were not um, uh, acting inappropriately in a sexual way. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't, I also wasn't given the kind of information about how to have uh, intimate relationships that didn't end up in uh, a kind of sexual act either. Uh, so it was sort of an all or nothing at all, a fear of touching, a fear of, right. and yet as any human being, uh, I'm going to want to have a, a, a close relationship with um, dating relationships and the closer you get, it's just natural that that, that, that happens. but. There, there wasn't enough conversation about what's happening in your body and why you're feeling the way you do and what's happening in uh, a girl's body and, and her mind about all of these things. So you're just in this enormous gap uh, of adolescence where you have uh, a, 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 a huge mystery that you're living and you don't know what to do with it. Right. And so, uh, you you feel guilty if you think you've done too much. You feel lonely if you think you haven't done enough. <laughs> right. You know, and it's just 
it's it's kind of maddening, right. uh, really. So I, I think we're trying to figure all of that out at this point, and information certainly has to be a big part of it. Right, right, and I think that um, I think the faith community sort of acknowledging that sexuality is a, like a beautiful gift from God, yes. which is what my mother told me, you yes. know, that you know, this is a beautiful thing that you do with someone you love, right? Yes. Um, I think that helps, right, as to acknowledge this, because if uh, uh, Reverend, uh, you know, Aaron White. Yes, of course, I love, yes. We had a meeting, uh, we were meeting with the, the faith community. I love what he said. He said, a lot of times Christians are taught this is a filthy bad thing and you should only do it with a person you love the most. <laughs> yes, right, <laughs> so, right, right. So it's like this dichotomy and it, it causes a lot of mixed feelings. Well, so for some, sex is dirty by nature and it always is and therefore it should be reserved for marriage and done as little as possible because it's just, right. it, is, it, it is that. I, I think for other Christians, however, it, it goes like this. It's dirty before marriage. Mm -hmm. And then when you are married, it's not dirty anymore, okay, with, with your, your partner. The problem is you spend all this time in the dirty phase, right. and you internalize this wrong, dirty, guilty kind of, of language. You get married, immediately you're supposed to flip a switch and now think of it differently. Right. And uh, so I think what we're, we're trying to get to is what you said, that your mother, your parents told you, that this is a good gift from God, and it is not dirty by nature. It is God's way of helping us to experience and practice the love of God for one another, in, created in the divine image. It's a way for us to continue creation. Okay. Uh, it's a way for us to participate with God in this beautiful project of, of, of the world. And yes, it can be used like anything else inappropriately. Right. Right. And and it can damage instead of heal. But that's the nature of everything we do. And sex is just one of those things. Right. It's not a unique thing. Right. Uh, and I think if we could learn to have that conversation. So one of the ways I talk about that as a, a Christian minister is our theology should start with Genesis 1 and 2, not with Genesis 3. That is, for us as Christians, so often we start with uh, the sin in the garden, mm -hmm. you know, the, the forbidden fruit, right? right? The, 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 everything now is uh, dictated by our nature of doing the wrong thing. Whereas if you start your theology with original blessing, not with original guilt, right. with original goodness, not with original um, sin, you know, then there's a persistence of that where you have stronger self-esteem, a stronger sense of, of your capacity to make good choices, not always assuming that you're prone to bad, to bad things and that kind of thing. So I think a, a different theology is called for in, in this. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so uh, what do you want the faith community to know if we were to partner with you, what are some specific things that we could do to help interrupt and for interrupt to help us? Well, what we're trying to do now is to gather a bunch of clergy 
and faith communities to just to agree to talk about this issue yes. with their teens, with their parents, right? So just okay. to have these conversations using their own values. Right. And we're trying, we, uh, I think it would be great if we could be a repository for some of, you know, scriptural things and religious curriculum that yes. that deal with the sexuality so that we could give it to other so so give it to other faith communities to yes. share it out so like this our voice it's not, it's not interrupts place or voice to say right. what the faith community right should say about it it's it's our it's our way of just encouraging them that and letting them know that their voice is really important. So we could actually contribute yes. to the resources you offer. Correct. Uh, by saying, here's a faith perspective, and, and here are some things that can be said and done to create a healthy, comprehensive uh, conversation about sex in the home and Correct. school and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, so that's the, that's the ideal partnership, really. Wonderful. Okay, so uh, again, the website is? It's talkaboutitdallas.com. Talkaboutitdallas.com. Yes, and so there you can, ha there are all these conversation starters. Right. Including conversations about abstinence, but everything else. And there are, I want to talk about it with my partner, with my parent, right. with my medical provider. And then there's also great information on STIs and birth control and everything. Good. Very practical, and also there's an action page where you can contact your school districts to say, hey, this is important to, uh, issue to me. I Good. want you to teach it. So and there's also social media that you can share Good. to encourage the we can We can like the Facebook page yes, and can, all you can, that. You can go to our Facebook page and, or interrupt.org. Um, Great. Now, May 13th is coming up after this conversation, yes. it will be in the past by the time most people are <laughs> listening to or watching yeah. this, this program. Uh, but that, that program is called? It's called Pray About It Dallas. Pray About It Dallas, <laughs> and it's an appeal to the faith community. Right. So it's, um, we are co-sponsoring that with the Pleasant Grove Ministerial Alliance, and that will be May 13th, and I'm really excited. Um, in Pleasant Grove, you know, the teen birth rates are the same as they are in Afghanistan. All right, so there are three times the national teen birth rate there. It is one of the many issues that that inhabit that area, okay. and we're gr really grateful for that partnership, and we hope to have many more like that. So. Okay, so it's a nice model, and yeah. we might see other communities doing a Pray About a Dallas uh, event if that uh, is a successful right. model. Right, and we have to do, uh, you know, just with other issues that we're familiar with, you know, Prayers are not enough. Prayers are not enough. Wait, wait, thoughts yeah. and prayers aren't thoughts, thoughts and, and prayers, prayers enough? Thoughts and prayers are not enough. Okay. We're going to have to take some action, have some conversations, share some information. So. Well, Terry, I hope that um, Interrupt and the work that you're doing is a wonderful part of Tikkun Olom, uh, a repair of the world, and has a beautiful sense of satisfaction that you have answered your call but also that um, we, we all celebrate good results as a result and, uh, and, and that we'll see some beautiful things happen in Dallas and beyond because of it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on Good God. Okay. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Guest coordination and social media by Upward Strategy Group. Good God. Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and 
faith and the common good. All material copyright 2019 by Faith Commons.